Welcome to the Justice for Jennifer, Missing in Nashville podcast. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm here to introduce you to the mysterious disappearance of Jennifer Lynn Wyatt. This is going to start out as a raw and unproduced podcast. You'll be interested to know that I'm not a journalist or a private investigator, but I've decided that I would like to make a difference for the missing of this world and the people left behind. I'm very excited to have the opportunity to create and bring you a factual, beneficial, and interesting podcast. Even in our advanced and technological society, there are thousands of active missing persons cases in the United States. In late 2017, there were over 450 missing persons cases in the state of Tennessee. If you'll navigate to the Nashville Police Department's website, you will see 18 missing adults. And if you scroll to the bottom of the thumbnail photos, you'll find a young woman by the name of Jennifer Wyant. If you search for details regarding her disappearance, you won't find many. In fact, details released to the public are in such short supply after 38 years that Jennifer's disappearance is a true mystery. Most followers of the missing persons genre are usually familiar with the highly publicized cases such as Maura Murray and Jennifer Kessie. I bring these ladies' cases up because there's a stark contrast between the rabbit holes and speculation that have encompassed those particular cases over the years. And I'm just as fascinated with the what-ifs and endless circles of possibility regarding what really happened to them And I'm equally fascinated by the elusive and obscure mystery that began on what we would assume to be a warm summer Saturday in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville is a thriving and dynamic city today. And I find it interesting to consider how Nashville of 1980 has evolved into the current day vibrant and dynamic version of the Music City. I've put a couple links on the podcast Facebook and Twitter page with some super cool photos of Nashville in the 1980s. It almost seems like a different world. It looks like history. But I would bet that parts of Nashville had the same vibe running through them then that they do now. If you'll hang with me, I'll tell you more about how to find these links at the end of the podcast. Jennifer Wyatt disappeared on June 28, 1980, from her residence at the Tanglewood apartment complex on Harding Place. Jennifer is a 5-foot, 3-inch, 125-pound female with brown hair and brown eyes. Jennifer was born on December 3, 1958, and was 21 years old on the day that she disappeared. Today, Jennifer would be 59 years old. According to the Nashville Metro Police Department's website, Jennifer's car was still parked at her apartment complex after she disappeared. Through my research, I've learned that very few details of the disappearance are available and known to the general public. I'm relatively certain, though, that Jennifer drove a black Trans Am which would be the kind with the bird on it. 
and I'm guessing that this probably had raised her coolness factor pretty high. It's also been said that Jennifer had attended a softball party sometime shortly before her disappearance. It's unknown to this podcast how these are related, meaning we would like to know if Jennifer drove to the party or if she walked. And if she drove, did anyone ride with her on the way to the party or on the way back? We also do not know yet whether any items of interest were found in or near Jennifer's car, such as her keys or her purse, or if there's any indication that Jennifer had gone back inside her apartment after returning from the softball party. We also don't know who was the last person or persons to see Jennifer and or speak with her before she disappeared. It quickly becomes apparent that the timeline of Jennifer's disappearance is very underdeveloped. The timeline is critical because it will help us to begin to pinpoint when the disappearance occurred and help us begin to understand what occurred on June 28th at the Tanglewood Apartments. As we work to develop and understand a timeline, it's also of importance for us to consider and discuss the possible reasons for Jennifer's disappearance. For now, we're going to focus on two possible scenarios based on the limited information that we have available. If Jennifer did indeed leave on her own accord, which she would have the right to do, then she would have done so without her car. And this would have made disappearing on purpose much more difficult, unless she had help. But who would have helped her and stayed silent for 38 years? It seems unlikely, considering that there are no reported sightings of Jennifer in the media or documented on the internet in the 38 years since she was last seen. The Murray and Kessie cases both have suspected sightings after their disappearances, but this case does not appear to have any. We simply don't know and don't have enough information to say that she has left on her own accord. If she did, then she literally walked away and has not contacted any of her friends or family since she was last seen in 1980. Also, to walk away, you'd have to have a pretty good reason to step into the unknown and leave everything behind. If we knew more about what was going on in Jennifer's life leading up to the disappearance, then we could further pursue this possibility or completely rule it out. For now, though, we won't rule it out. We're going to leave it on the table. However, we're going to pursue the other, more likely outcome. Foul play. Jennifer unexpectedly vanished sometime after attending a softball party, which is what I would consider to be a normal weekend social activity. However, we can't assume that everything was normal at the party because at this time, we don't know the status of the relationships or the character of the people that were there. What we do know is that there has been no contact from Jennifer towards friends or family since the disappearance. 
One curious detail that appears to be a fact is that her driver's license was later discovered in a location away from her car and apartment complex. It was possibly discovered by a building contractor several months after the disappearance. At this time, it's unclear to the podcast if Jennifer's purse and keys were located or if they were left behind. We wonder why Jennifer's license would be separated from her purse. And we question if an abductor could have taken the license out of her purse and wonder why they would have done so. We've considered if it could have been a robbery gone wrong. And we think it would be interesting to know what the detectives have theorized about the license discovery. And if they think that this particular location could be a place where a body could be hidden for a considerable length of time. Unfortunately, we don't know the answers to these questions yet. But I strongly feel that small details can change a case in a big way. I've affectionately subtitled this episode Saved by Zero. I consider this episode zero because it feels like we're at the very beginning. Um, Like we don't have a considerable amount of information to uh, discuss in great detail. Um, But I feel that in order to take the step from episode zero to episode one, then I'm going to need a few things from you. Uh, First and most importantly, If you have any information that could provide a tip which could lead to this case being solved, even if it's a small tip, even if you think that it's um, um, non-consequential or you've maybe forgotten about details and this has maybe helped you to remember some things, then I need you to call this number. I need you to call 615-862-8600 and ask to speak to the detective in charge of Jennifer's case. And if you don't have luck on the first call, keep trying. Uh, Don't give up. Um, Make sure that you take the steps to do this. Um, I'd like anyone that's listening that knows Jennifer to please contact me. I'd very much like to hear from you so that we can chat and get to know Jennifer as a person and begin to build a timeline and footprint, which we can base on facts that you can share. Uh, You can email the podcast at j4jpodcast at gmail.com. That's j, the number four, j at gmail.com If anyone listening has a picture of Jennifer I would really appreciate it if you would send those to me. There's one photograph available on the internet and that appears to be a graduation photo which I'm estimating to be from 1976 or 1977 uh, somewhere from that time frame Um, And lastly, as I mentioned earlier, be sure to check out the links on Facebook and Twitter. 
Search for Justice for Jennifer Wyant, and you'll find them there. And since I really want to build some positive energy and momentum, let's keep the comments constructive and, and uh, encouraging. I'm very honored to do this podcast for Jennifer, and I really appreciate your support. As I wrap up this episode, here are what I call the BHAGs for this podcast. And BHAGs are big, hairy, audacious goals, which is something that we should all have, right? Okay, goal number one is to become a definitive and factual podcast regarding the disappearance of Jennifer Wyant. And goal number two is to increase public awareness and interest and generate meaningful tips prior to the upcoming 40th anniversary of Jennifer Wyant's disappearance. How we accomplish those goals is going to be all up to me and you. It's up to me because I'm taking the steps to put this out there by releasing this podcast and uh, attempting to increase visibility for Jennifer and her family and friends. And it's up to you because some of you have probably lived this case for quite a few years and still continue to live it in various ways. And to the somebodies that know something, the time is now to do something for the greater good and bigger than you are. Call, call in the tip that you've been sitting on for a while to 615-862-8600. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I hope you've enjoyed the podcast as much as I enjoy having you listen. Be sure to give it a good rating so that Justice for Jennifer can get a good start meeting its goals. For those of you listening on the Anchor app, I'm going to lead you out with the number one song in America for the week of June 25th, 1980. Coming up by Paul McCartney. Enjoy, and until next time, keep it positive, and remember, no one deserves to disappear. Music